Welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast, the most influential and listened to podcast in auto detailing. Welcome to the community. Hi, welcome to the Pints and Polishing Podcast. I'm Marshall. That's Nick. You can find us at Hyperclean Specialist Group on Facebook. Best way to get in touch with us there, go interact, having lots of fun, or just go to hypercleanstore.com and uh, we'll see you there. Oh, we never talk about the app. We still do have the app. You can always just go to the uh, app store and uh, go find our app. All right, Nick, uh, as nobody else here can tell, but uh, everybody in Facebook land watching on vacation, wearing my nice festive, festive uh, shirt. You know, when you go from Oklahoma down to, uh, down to the beach you got to look like a tourist that's just the way it goes and i'm um, gonna tourist it up with some red stripe for all, uh, for all those people that cannot see this it's quite the show you need to go to facebook quickly i mean this dude <laughs> looks like every postcard you've ever seen of a guy on vacation <laughs> bucket hat hawaiian shirt i mean it's like Vinny vacation dude <laughs> <laughs> i mean wow i'm Folks, I'm a little thrown off right now, so this might be a tough episode. I'm not sure. <laughs> All right, let's get into buy and sell, buy and sell. I'll start off because, listen, we had to come in. Actually, we came in off the beach. Uh, poor poor cow and my stepson, he's been stung twice. Uh, Bella just got stung, and we, we found the jellyfish out there doing it. I'm selling jellyfish. That's brutal. Now, the good thing is, is I didn't pee all over them, right? So I'm not that touristy where I just whip it out and start pissing all over the place. So Mm -hmm. they are calmed down there. We found some lime juice. So we used the acid out of limes to neutralize that sting. And we didn't find any tentacles, but boy, I mean, he got it. He got it bad the second time. And uh, Bella went over to try and grab, you know, grab him. And she got it wrapped around her and it was all in, like, got it bad. So Easy yeah. sell for me. Easy sell. I don't care if they taste good or not. I think some people have eaten. I don't know. Eat some yeah, stuff. no. I look. I last time I went snorkeling, actually, we got in a school of like uh, a school of them, and uh, sounds like you guys are the same, right? Just just a ton in the area. Is there any signs up or anything? Or no, no signs. They, huh? Wow. Yeah. Florida's just going to Florida, huh? <laughs> just going to let uh, you get stung. We didn't make it over to Florida this time. We stopped just a little bit shy. Where are you guys at? Bama, right? Oh, okay. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Wow. I think so. Marty doesn't even know where he's at. That's how you know life <laughs> is good. huh? That's how you know the hyper-clean team is getting it done when Marty can just leave and not even know where he's at. Boy, oh, boy. Um, it's a tiny little place called Gulf Shores. We're, uh, oh, yeah. Good we're you. over in that little uh, – there's that little jetty kind of thing that comes oh, out yeah. where there's just random rows of houses, and that's where we're at. So that's pretty nice, secluded nice area. Yeah, it is. It's a nice yeah. area, secluded beach, not a lot of people. Um, good. Having a good time. Yeah, evidently not a lot of signage about you're about to yeah. get bit by a shark or jellyfish. Um, you know what? They do have plenty yeah. out here, though. They got tons of them. I, I told my mom when she asked what they were, I said, well, fireworks. No, <laughs> I said, they're drilling for water. She goes, huh? I mean, the oil rigs, they got you got a massive amount of oil rigs out here. You, They're all over the place. And so I made a yeah. joke with my mom because she was asking me, I go, well, mom, they're, they're drilling for water, trying to figure out how to get more water. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's an easy sell. I mean, jellyfish, for those who have never been stung, it's, I mean, spent a lot of my childhood in Florida. 
but last time I got it in Hawaii really bad. We were snorkeling, jump off the boat, boom, like right, right in a school of like little babies swimming around. I'm like, man, what is going on? Uh, so no, that's an easy sell. I'm going to sell something else. Uh, I've been doing a little bit of buy in the last couple of weeks. I'm gonna go ahead and sell this boy on father's day. Father's got to do a lot. <laughs> you know, boy, oh boy. Um, wouldn't trade it for the world, but, uh, for all you fathers out there, I, you know, this is only my, what my second one, second father's day, but boy, there's just a lot on your plate. I mean, literally it's like, Hey, we're going to do father's day. Can you do this? Can you do that? Can you get this handle? Can you do that? Can you clean the pool? Can you do this? Can you cook this? I'm like, man, I don't remember mother's day, but I believe we were at a resort. <laughs> just saying I'm in my backyard sweating nuts and we were at a resort for mother's day. So, Hey, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of work. I mean, you want to talk about a BS holiday for guys, like for all you that have been dealing with it for a long time, I get it. It's, uh, it's no joke, but you know, we had a good day. It was fine. I don't mind sweating over a grill for <laughs> hours on end or opening my smoker when it's a thousand degrees, but Hey, everybody had a good time. We, uh, we're going to take a little, we got to handle some family business in Southern California this week coming up. So we'll make up for it, uh, with a little bit of weekend beach time, but yeah, I'm going to go ahead and sell all the work you have to do on a <laughs> holiday. That's supposed to be for you. <laughs> Hmm. Like driving 12, 13 hours. Exactly right. I mean, it's like nothing says thank you, dad. Sort of like get behind the wheel for half a day. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, wild stuff. Which everybody should be asleep, right? In the car. But there was a moment I looked over and like every single person was asleep. And I was like, happy Father's Day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, can I at least get a box of donuts or, you know, something that's just, you know, it's it's a wild thing, man. Like it, it, it's so true. You know, I, you know, everybody's probably seen this video, but somebody was sharing it, you know, on, on a, on mother's day, it's like, Hey, buy her this diamond, do this, do that. You know, for dad, it's like, Hey, get him this power tool so he can do more work. It's like, <laughs> it's just a wild. it's wild how this is all worked out. I mean, I, like I said, I mean, you know, I, I live in my backyard during the summer. It's no big deal. Like honestly, but it is funny to like, be a part of it finally and go, huh? Yeah, this is a little bit different. And, uh, you know, so it's been a couple, it's been fun, but yeah, the, the work is really, really hilarious to me. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, what's fun though, when you're driving for 12, 13 hours is the scenery and the views. No doubt about that. You can definitely always see something. If you got 12 hours to drive, you're going to see some really fun stuff. There's no doubt about that. Uh, one of the craziest times though, you know, we take a trip. Usually we you know we try every summer. It doesn't happen, but we try and take a trip every summer. The craziest one was though, coming out uh, when we were going down to Destin, this was a couple of years ago, coming out of Birmingham. And, uh, you, generally that's a, there's a spot where these highways intersect. And I think it was funneling a bunch of people from all up North. And it's like the one shot that you get down to go into Destin and, I mean, we sit there for an hour and a half ish, you know, you just kind of creep along. Right. Well, yep. 
you just kind of plan for it. And that's the way it goes. Well, one time though, there was this one time. <laughs> All right. And it wasn't band camp. So <laughs> we're sitting there. Like, where's the, where's the dad joke? I mean, you got the dad hat on the dad shirt. I'm like, let's just, let's get this 2000 American pie reference out of the way. <laughs> uh, and, and suddenly I was like, what was that? A semi. I didn't see it till it was up there. It flew by so fast. I mean, 60, 70 miles an hour, full on semi. What the hell was that? flying off the shoulder and about three or four seconds later and there's three or four cop cars flying back behind it this guy doesn't stop we you know we're stuck you know so we're just kind of watching him he's making his way through all the cars but like off on the side of the road literally going 70 miles an hour flying past everybody with the cops going somehow he doesn't wreck we don't know where he went uh gets off somehow and keeps rolling but I mean, there was people all along as we caught up to them later, people with doors that were hit. Like, I mean, there was like 15 or 16 cars that we counted as we went down the next miles. He kept hitting people as he went, but never stopped. And was like, <laughs> who is this guy? How the hell? Mm -hmm. Like, I was incredible. We didn't have any of those fun views, but we did have, uh, it was cool to see multiple towns we got into. For some reason, I saw really cool mobile detailing rigs. Like, oh, sweet. Yeah, multiple detailers out and about, which is cool. I know once time I was at a gas station, I met a, a detailer actually here in Alabama. And, uh, the, you know, it's always cool to meet guys out and about when you're going. So you know, everybody's got different views on the setup of what a, a detailing, mobile detailing rig should be. Now, I get it. You're different than most, right? You, We talked about this. Most people know you. you're a truck. You're you're no lettering, no logos. You have a specific yep. way that you do it, but everybody else has always been questioning. There's many theories of whether or not somebody should have a, uh, an enclosed trailer or an open trailer. You know, is it double axle, single axle? How many gallons of water should I carry? Where should I put everything? I mean, it, it's a thing that, well, many detailers, as they start getting into the business, it's like that one thing they all have to know. They go into the groups. Hey, show me oh, your yeah. setup. Hey, show me this. Like everybody wants to see people's rigs. It's very curious. Yeah. I mean, look, mine would be very different now, but you know, I shared everybody my 2003 Dodge uh, pickup that got my company started. I uh, still have it. It's sitting outside my shop right now. It's the one that I'm driving around, which, you know, it's kind of humbling that all my guys are driving, you know, the newer trucks and now I'm in this rebuilt uh, Dodge, but you know, I'm not bitter. Um, if I, you know, if I had the money or I don't think they were as big or as ubiquitous at the time, those Ford transit vans to me, those little small ones, you know, fuel efficient, you know, you see a lot of plumbers have them now, a lot of tradesmen have them, a bunch of detailers have them. Those weren't big when I started. So by the time I had my second and third truck, I would have had to flip my whole business model, go into the transit van, switched everything out because now we arrive in white trucks. Just so everybody knows I, I have Tundras and I have a couple Dodges and, and the, just luck chance of what was for sale at the time uh, that I could find on the used market. But there's no doubt if I, if, if in 2010, those little transit vans had been everywhere, that's what I would have purchased. I mean, to me right now, I don't, I don't see how you get a better simple detailing setup than, you know, again, Mercedes makes one, 
that's reliable. I think Nissan makes one. Every manufacturer has their form of it. But I mean, to me, that's the winner right there. Yeah, I I went to a van later, but it started with an Opal open open uh, open system in a sense. I had a big, huge 500 gallon water tank, and I went I went probably too big. Most people don't do 500 gallons, but I also knew when I was setting up my trailer, I knew that I was going to be cleaning concrete at the same time exactly. because I'd already talked to a bank. I was already starting the process because somebody said, Hey, you power wash. I'm like, I power wash that car. I guess that means I power wash. So bada yeah. bing, bada boom. You know, I, I didn't yeah, even know what I was doing. A, that's just a different thing. I mean, if you have to use massive amounts of water, you always have to go with the bigger tank for guys that don't know my setup. My tanks are all between hundred and 150 gallons and they're low pro tanks. So they can be undercover in the back of a, of a truck. But, you know, again, I mean, look, you later went to a waterless, rinseless type system. Uh, I've seen creative ways guys make that look good in setups, you know, where they have a little bit of a pressure washer setup, but not a huge tank, maybe 50 gallons or something. They do pre-rinses and then, you know, things like that. I, I honestly don't think there's a perfect setup. I mean, I've seen some really cool small trailers. Um, trailers aren't for me, but hey, man, if you're somebody that already has like a Tacoma, and you've, you know, getting into detailing and you're like, well, what? I don't want to make it oh, get a trailer. Uh, far too many people, and I think you see this in groups, get stuck on, I saw this guy's setup and I like this X, Y, and Z and I got to have it. I mean, it's like I've always told people, I've never even had a retractable uh, hose reel in any of my setups because I didn't see the need for it. We basically wrap our, our, our pressure washer hose around our buckets and unwind them as we need them when we're at the next stop. And what's happened is, is it, that's a less of a thing to be in the truck, which allows us to put more equipment that helps guys detail. And yeah. so, yeah, if you look at the back of our trucks, very simplistic, you know, the better you are at detailing, this is kind of the all time secret, the less stuff you need. <laughs> that's what people don't want to say. So again, at the beginning of your career, you're trying to over plan because you're not so sure about your skills yet. Once you kind of get comfortable, you're like, okay, I don't need this in my truck. I don't need that in my truck. I mean, we don't have extractors in our trucks. We don't have anything like that, but we have steamers. And so steamers are now very compact. And there's another thing we've taken out of the equation for us. And again, we don't have those type of customers, but this is kind of, you don't want to implore guys to go out there and be unprofessional. I think that's what's gotten detailing into a bad spot. You, there's a lot of professional open trailers. There's a lot of professional closed trailers, trucks, vans. You know, you, you want to make sure you're presentable because in the end, it is going to matter. Somewhere along the line, it's going to matter. And you might as well get started on the right foot. So you mentioned you just wind up your hoses, but there are hose reels. You know, there's you see some of the setups that people have and it's, it's, a, it really is impressive. I mean, oh yeah, because, and I, I do get the theory and this is what's funny. I get the theory of having everything lined up, right. Having, you know, a bottle holder on your door, it looks incredible. And you got the names of your stuff right there. You got a holder for your polisher. You got, I mean, and then everything's got its place, right. It's very, very organized. And like you talked about, it puts on a professional image so that when you walk up, you know, or, you know, you grab your keys, you open up everything, your customer sees like everything's fuck your, your car looks incredible, right? I mean, yeah. your van looks incredible. So they're going to go, 
wow, he must do really great work. This this shit's dialed in, right? Like, yep. so if if that's the way it goes, I I, I wasn't me. That, that, that that's what I think is hilarious, right? Like, I was the guy that had just stuff wound up in the back of the trailer, right? It was open trailer. Uh, I had uh, milk cartons, right? You remember those? And you'd oh, yeah. put your little spray bottles yeah. in your milk cartons, and I'd have my five gallon cubes, right? Like, it. It is really cool to see people get so dialed in to the, what they do in organization. How does organization translate over into business? And I, you made a thing, and that's why I, I kind of brought it up because you made this point, like your skill set. once you get better, you learn to not need as many things. Yep. At first, you do need to get a lot of things. And guys, when they get started they're just buying a bunch of stuff so it makes sense then to organize it instead of having yep. it all over the place it does yep. make sense yeah and, and ours are really organized you know so here's what is more important than organization okay i see a lot of things that look really organized but aren't going to be functional when you're detailing a car so for us when we open the tailgate our tailgate becomes the work area so everything that that is pertinent to detailing a car is going to go on that tailgate. Like our generators in the back of the truck, but to release the exhaust a little better, we'll bring it out a little bit on the tailgate. So the exhaust gets out of the truck and it, you know, doesn't get too hot under a cover or, you know what I mean? Start to malfunction. Then we have all of our chemicals that we have in a very organized bag. You know, one of those big like detailer bags that goes there. All the towels are folded on the top of our generator. So whatever you need for that detail, you come back and it's, here's your interior towel. Here's your exterior towel. We're not going to ever look disorganized. We have processes of getting cords out of the way and different things like that. So while you're detailing, nobody's in any harm or anything like that. Although we had a little incident last sure? week. <laughs> oh, are you uh, sure about that, where, Nick? Where, where, where we had to educate uh our staff about, Hey, this is our policy and procedure of, of making the detail easier. And so the thing you need to think about beyond organization to me, a lot of guys do things because it looks good. Cool. I'm down with that. I, I believe that's a great thing, but then I see where they're having to walk to opposite ends of their van to get something. And I'm going, well, you use that every time. Why are you what? So what's happening is they're thinking of organization of what looks good, not what functions to be better during your detail. And so how we've gotten so locked in on our time is really thinking through that throughout the years is we really only walk to one side of the crew cab to get stuff during a detail. The other side of the crew cab really isn't walked to. Why? Most of the time, that'll be on the side of traffic. Most of the time, you got to step over multiple things. So actually, the passenger rear side of our crew cab is going to hold 90% of chemicals, towels, all the basics. The other stuff on the other side really isn't used for everyday detailing. It's more like refills, things like that. And so you look at that small level of organization, quote unquote, it's thought out of what's What's going to make us quicker during a detail? What's going to make us more efficient? And that's why we do things the way that we do. It doesn't mean it's perfect, but what it does mean is I'm able to give guys company trucks. They're able to drive around and, and feel like it's theirs. There's a lot of reasons I chose to do things that are outside of just that moment of detail. Well, cool. So 
you ever, you know, you're driving around and you get through some of these towns and you start seeing little handwritten signs. Oh yeah. Like you, you see those tomatoes or, you know, but it's definitely right now, people, this is watermelon season, you know, oh, through yeah. the Midwest, through the South. So everybody's out selling watermelons. Well, I saw a sign that I don't see very often that, that said welder and listed a phone number. I was like, huh, that's interesting. We don't, we don't really see much. I don't really see much about people offering their service of welding, but welding's a trade that's, I mean, that's detailers are wanting to get, there's a group of people that are trying to say that detailing should be a trade, right? So sure, I, it'd be interesting to compare back and forth. It just, it, it made me really think about like, how, how does welding and a trade compare to detailing on us trying to get to a trade? Do you think we uh, can ever make it a trade? Is that a thing? It's an interesting conversation. Uh, we've heard a lot about it, right? Everybody wanting to to get detailing recognized as some form of a trade. We've heard the mechanic speak. We've heard we want it to be tradesmen and how do we get recognized as a trade? And I think you and I kind of have said this before. I think we're kind of going about it all the wrong way, right? Like, what about anything going on in our industry from a training perspective says, says we're trying to make this a trade? We seem to only really talk about business ownership, right? I mean, think about a, a, a $2,000, $3,000, $4,000 training in our industry. Like, really think about it. What exists in that training? I think you know and I know. Uh, you're going to come here, we're going to teach you some skills, but then we're going to teach you to be a successful business owner, right? Even go back to a lot of the ceramic talk that we've had in our career. It's like, hey, when you come here, we'll, we'll teach you how to market this ceramic coating. And, and it's more than just learning to wipe a product on. And that's all cool with me. But where does the tradesman thing fit into to the way that we're talking about detailing on the training level, whether that be the IDA, whether that be, it doesn't matter. I mean, there's nobody to pick on here. But if you want to be a trade, trade schools don't operate the way we are training people today in detailing, does it? Well, I don't, I've never been to a trade school, but I don't think, I mean, it, they definitely, I see trade schools being much bigger than detailing schools. You know, we, there's a couple of people that have built us, they say a very large training business and their business is training detailers, right? Like, there are some people that do that, but I don't see, at least I, I've never been, so I don't know. I can't say, but the photos don't look anything like a trade school, like where there's actually curriculum. You, you take tests, you, you can yeah, fail. And, you, and, and you I don't know, even got, know that. And I don't even know if we need that level. I think it's right now a mindset problem. We're teaching so many people to be business owners and not to be tradesmen. So when you go to welding school, let, let's, that, let's hold on. When yeah. did that come out though? Cause I don't remember except for the past couple of years. And it doesn't really seem until Jesus, especially this year's you saw a major, no, a major, no, no. Yeah, major, yeah, yeah. a major company go and shift to go, Hey, now we're going to work on more training professionals. Like, yeah, no, no. What I mean by that, by, by we, we speak in the training talk through a business owner's prism. Hey, oh, if you're gotcha. a business owner, uh, this is a great skill to come learn. Somebody's already owning a business. When you want to become a welder, you go to school. Okay. When you go to that training, they're trying to place you into a job, 
right? You go to an electrician school or, you know, electrician trade, or you go to the union, you're going to go work for a wage and it's an elevated wage. I don't really care what we decide to do in detailing, make it a trade. Don't make it a trade. You and I really don't have anything in this fight. It's just a discussion. But all the stuff everybody says they want to have happen, we're not doing anything that relates to how those things happen, right? Like, if I had, let me give you an example. So let's walk through a scenario. I go to welding school. An oil company says, hey, we, we need to hire a welder. You go get placed. You start at $52 an hour, $82 an hour, whatever it is. That person went to welding school because they want to weld the rest of their career right? Like, you know, a lot of guys that are 62 years old that are still electricians and making crazy money because their skill set now is to a level. It's like, Hey man, I I love being an electrician. Maybe they don't love it. I don't care whether they love it or not, but there's lifelong tradesmen. And if you're, if you're that kind of guy that can get up there in lifelong tradesmen, you usually have apprentices that are built into the system that they have to come be an apprentice for you. Exactly. So there's this whole, this whole thing that goes on. And, and, and so one of the weird things that happens, and I think it's just the messaging we see around, it doesn't mean it's one person or one company, or, I mean, we just hear it in interviews. We, we, there was a recently a YouTube interview uh, where we heard this, where we actively tell guys, well, how are you going to get out of detailing? Well, you can't tell guys to be tradesmen and then how to get out of the trade. That's doesn't make a trade that that's. Oh, that's you mean where they were to... saying like, go work for a brand instead of. Yeah. Like, Hey, Hey, how are you going to get out of this? It's like, well, wait a minute. An electrician's not trying to get out of being an electrician. They want to be an electrician. That's why they went to trade school. The messaging around detailing is either you need to own a business, which I've already stated. Or how do you get out of the business of detailing cars? Name me the other discussions we're having. We're not having any discussions that relate to becoming a trade. There may be people that say the words, we want to become a trade, but their actions say everything other than that. Could we not ever become a trade because we have so many people that just like to clean their cars, right? Like, I mean... You, no, you I mean, because look at DIY people in the home. And I mean, I don't think so. But I you don't have point, DIY. Though. You don't have DIY welders, do you? You have you DIY electricians. Call, you might want to call some some welders and electricians. Everybody deals with the same shit we're dealing with. I know detailers love to think that we're the only ones that deal with stuff. But there's plenty of house fires and, you know, bad welding jobs that collapse on the freeway on a trailer that there's a plenty of people that DIY in that stuff. But the point is they actively want to do those things. You know, welders, I mean, I got welders in my family. They've been welders since they were 18 years old. They're, they're 58 years old now. Like they want to weld. They make a great living at welding. Again, if we want to go that route, why don't we follow in the footsteps and start having those conversations? It's not going to happen overnight, but we're not even having those discussions is my viewpoint on all of this is, dude, I have no dog in the fight on this training thing. There's a lot of people that think because we have discussions on here that we have a dog in the fight. We don't have a dog in the fight. The training thing doesn't get, I don't get any positive or negative out of the training thing because it doesn't affect me. I don't, 
I mean, I'm the perfect person to talk about this. Like this stuff doesn't affect me. It affects you. If you're listening to this and you're 25, trying to get into this industry, it does affect you, but it doesn't affect me that much because my skill set is there. I can always refine it and get better, but I can call a million people and say, Hey, can you come to my shop and help me with this? I want to learn how to do this. I don't have to go to training. You know, the people that DM me and Hey, I would love to throw a training with you. I mean, I don't, I don't have any negative about this, but if you want to make it a trade, you got to stop buying into the way training is being done in the industry right now, because none of that's leading to being trade. None of it, not one ounce of it is leading to, to being tradesmen. All right. So how does something become a trade then? Well, I think right now, and, and, and let's not talk about, you know, I'm not an electrician. I'm not a welder. Uh, you know, I'm sure a bunch of you know, people in those fields as well and no tradesmen, in your life, I, right now, the conversation and detailing is wrong. If you want to move towards a trade, because we actively always talk to people as though we want them to own their detailing business. We always talk that way. When has anybody ever said, Hey, come learn these skills and go work for somebody. That's not how any training is presented. It's all about you owning your business. Well, electricians don't come out of trade school and start working on their own. They, it's not advocated that way. So to me, you really can't have this discussion if you want to keep having the same. Part of me believes this is what people miss about you and I. This is a discussion that people are going to take one way or another, and they're going to think we, we have a dog in the fight. But this is why we kind of exist in the spot we do in this industry. I'm not scared to say, how training is going right now has nothing to do with a trade. None. It's not about getting great at detailing. It's not about, you know, being the best industry we can. It's about a bunch of people making money. I'm cool with that. I love money. You love money. You know, I'd love to be Bezos. Hey, look, we all love money. Listen, it buys you cool hats like this. Yeah. You, you could buy a better hat and shirt. I mean, look, money matters. And the people watching us online definitely know Marty needs when he needs you to go to hyperclean store and buy some more products, but where is it about making it a trade? Where is it about legitimizing detailing in a broad sense? None of it's about that. And it, I'm not saying it has to be, I'm saying that's what we're here. Advocate. We, we keep hearing people say they want to legitimize detailing yet everything that they do, or we do, or the group does, or the IDA does, or this group does, or that person does, None of it is legitimizing anything. We need to look at these trades and say, how are they building from the ground up? That's what we need to start doing. Not training happening and popping up everywhere and everybody's training and everybody has the ability, you know, come learn from me, pay me 800, pay me a thousand, pay me 5,000. What about that is a trade in any way, shape or form? And again, like I said, I don't, I don't have a dog in this fight. I don't care if we make it a trade or not, but it, it's a fun discussion to have. It is a fun discussion, and you're right. There, it's such a, such a thing that we will have people that will be like, hey, motherfucker, like, you know, like they're not going to be happy with this, right? And it has nothing to do with if you listen, and, and you, we've had people that are regular, actively participants in the podcast that are, have made statements like they want to train people now, right? Like, they want to move into training. There's, there's a lot of people that run training businesses and we're not saying you're not, I'm not saying that they're wrong, right? We're not saying that. It's just a discussion over if you could do training 
how would it be done to get somebody into a trade? Because if we could actually achieve tradesmanship, then what would actually have to come out of training? And it's not that your skills reach a certain level. I talked about testing earlier. And sure, there's going to have to be that you achieve some skill sets so that you pass some test, right? Nick, you've been in school. I've been in school. There's plenty of ways to get through school, plenty yep. of ways to get through testing. So that's not even the ultimate answer. So don't think if you're somebody that listens to this, that you are active in training, maybe you put on a training or you've gone to training. Listen, this has nothing to do with what you learn as far as your skill set or what you teach as far as your skill set. I'm sure that you learned a lot or I'm sure that you teach really, really great information and you help your students get the skills that they need. But what has to come out of training that goes into trade schools is really what we need to look at. And what comes out of training in trade schools, which you mentioned earlier, was job placements. Oh, I would yeah. really like to know, everybody raise their hands that lead training classes. How many of your students you have put into a paid, already determined set rate employment? And they know that they yeah. have a spot to go work for, whether that's for you or whether that's for another detailer or a dealership or a body shop, or there's tons of businesses out there that would love to have a really trained professional detailer that, well, he gets placed into a job role. And we began to nurture the industry by placing people to help grow the industry. Yeah, but. This is what I mean by everything's taught from a business owner mindset. You know, when you go to these trainings, it's not about job placement or doing this the rest of your career or advancing through detailing. It's about how do you spurn your boss and, and go start your own thing. And, you know, we've talked about the negativity around this. I mean, more guys are going to be hurt by this Grant Cardone, Gary V. Uh, now this Bradley Leah guy mentality, you know, not everybody's meant. I know a lot of welders making a lot more money than detailing business owners, a lot more money, a couple hundred G's a year take home. We don't talk about that in our industry. It's all about, you know, come and learn to start your own thing, come and learn these skills. And then you can go out and, you know, you can sand cars too. And we don't have any of these basic trade talks of, man, it's really cool to go work at a nice shop and, you know, start out at 27 or 28 bucks an hour or 30 bucks an hour or any of those types of things. And look, I'm not judging anybody. I'm saying if I had been training people for a decade, I think I would have put two and two together about job placement. If it was more than just about my pockets being lined, wouldn't I have put together a job placement program? I mean, wouldn't I have? Like, we don't even train and I can put two and two together on it. And, and let me make something clear about training. Do you think it's about 10 times a week I get asked to train people or do you think it's more than that? I mean, you've seen the DMS. Hey, how can I come to your shop? Hey, how can I come learn this? Hey, how? I'm flattered by that. I have the same exact response to everybody. Dude, you wouldn't want to come learn from me. I'm not ready to train people. I I'm sure I could do it, but. What are you going to do? Just come sit around. My life's not that interesting. I, I mean, I just, all I do is deal with normal everyday stuff. Like 
this is the, the craziest part is I've spent 24 years building my skills. I still don't think I'm at a place where I could put somebody in a trade program and be like, Hey, you know what? We got it all figured out for you. But boy, we have a lot of people in detailing that charge a lot of money that talk about the industry and talk about the health of the industry and talk about making it a trade and making it more respectable. But they're only collecting a lot of that cheddar the whole time. So is it about helping? Is it about really making this a trade? Because I got to tell you, man, I think at this point in time, the real conversation needs to be, is training and detailing a moneymaker? Or is it really about making people have the skills to be great detailers. And I don't think it's the second one because we very rarely talk about great skills and detailing. It's always from that lens of, Hey, you can take this into your business and you can do this and you can sell this. And it's like, I, I talk to a lot of guys, man, that shouldn't own businesses. And it's not because it's, they're not smart enough. It's just not their personality. Everybody's smart enough to own a business that I've come across. Some people just don't have, the mentality that of, and they're being forced into it because they went to someone's training. We don't talk about trade in detailing. And you said it, it's going to lead to job placement. I mean, if I put a thousand people through a training, 500 of those people that I put through training probably don't own their business anymore, but I could have placed them in a job with the other 500 that have successful detailing businesses that I supposedly trained. Right. I mean, everybody's looking for people. I mean, we right now we have an employment problem across the world. High paying jobs available, nobody wanting to take them. The interesting part detailing is going to have to face is, are we just getting lip service around what people supposedly want to do to help the industry? Because the mixed messages are, are pretty much up to the ceiling at this point. Yeah, and I mean, could it possibly be... Uh... An unattainable thing, detailing, becoming a legitimized trade. I mean, you can mow yards, and it's not a trade. You can sure. grow an incredibly point. big lawn care business. You can get into, I don't even think it's trade to be putting in sprinkler systems, is it? No, like you patios. Can do patios, I mean, you can do patios no trades. Yeah. There's so many things that you can do that are not trade. Do you think detailing stays in that realm? We stay, yeah. is, is that, would you say it's a lesser of a service than something that hits a trade or, you know, why, why would no. we ever want to be a trade and why wouldn't we just stay with the way we're going? Hey, look, it could be a trade. It's probably not going to be one. Um, there's a variety of reasons I would assume. I mean, look, <laughs> money being the driving factor. You know, if, if I can charge people a, a ton of money to train them and I don't have to have anything backing that trade school, which, you know, again, look at electrician unions, things like that. Yeah, it's a moneymaker. Look, man, I'm not, like I said, I, I, we're just having a discussion here. I think it'd be great if, if detailing got to a point of being a trade. Do I see it happening? Like so many are telling you they're trying to advocate for, not with the people advocating for it. They're not the right people. Um, they don't have the right mindset. Look at, look at the, the, we have to match up the words we're saying with the actions we're taking. People say a lot of words in this industry, the action in your face or behind the scenes, I can tell you is not moving towards legitimizing this industry. That's not what's happening because it just isn't. 
for what a variety of reasons. I'm not, I'm not privy to every reason or, you know, here to give an opinion on that, but I can tell you that you can look from the outside and say, we're saying a lot of the things about legitimizing this industry. We're not taking a ton of action to do that. And when every training that pops up and, you know, you referenced it, you know, company hopping into professional training when they've been in the DIY world for, I mean, how many years is it now, Marty? 15, 20? 20, yeah. I mean, 15, 20 years. And just like piecing it together and, and, and that's not good. That's not going to get you to the next level as an industry. And we're just not really at a point where anybody wants to talk about this on the record besides you and I, because somebody's making money somewhere and they don't want to hurt someone's feelings. And I'm not trying to hurt anybody's feelings. We're just talking about how do you go from welders walking out of school, making 60 bucks an hour right now? Uh, it's a limited skill. It's a tough skill. It's a skill they've legitimized through a lot of different avenues over the last 50 to hundred years. And we aren't even taking the baby steps in that direction. So what I advocate for is let's stop talking about things we're not going to do. That's really the difference. If, like you said, I can go mow lawns and I'm never going to be involved in a trade, all good. We're kind of having this because we hear everybody wanting to legitimize detailing, but nothing really comes of it because it's just a talking point that makes you believe somebody's doing something positive without any action. And that's where we have to marry this all up is actually talking about it and actually having action is the only thing that's going to change it. So let's say you, you walked out to your yard and you're like, you know what? I'm done having these people come do my yard. I want to do it myself. All right. Do you, how do you go start learning? Right. Cause I just, as you're talking, that's the thing that kind of stuck in my mind, right? Like part of training and part of detail training is so that if somebody doesn't doesn't want to run a business, they should be able to learn how to clean their cars better. Now, that's the emergence of YouTube has definitely helped so many of those people sure. that want, just like to clean their cars. They, now they get to watch somebody on YouTube and learn how to do it even better. I, if I want to learn how to cut my yard better or ways to take care of my yard or things to do in my yard, where would I go get the training? I have looked up things on YouTube, but I, I would probably go to a, a little place that I know there's a, do you, do you ever go? I mean, I, I guess not, but do you ever go to the little greenhouses that they sell plants and well, we have, you know, yeah, we have a nursery actually near my, my house and, and look, I mean, it, yeah, that's where you'd go. They'd hold a class or, yeah. you know, somebody would educate you and Hey, these are the plants, you know, for what you're looking for. And, you know, you should do this and look, I mean, HGTV is basically built an entire, you know, business model around helping people DIY something at their home that a professional could do, right? Like, hey, you know, build this cabinet in your laundry room. And it's like, you would have called a carpenter before or a handyman or whatever. And so everybody can learn every skill. Like you could weld, you know, when I took my degree, the funniest part was I took multiple welding classes where I was like, I did blacksmithing for like an entire cool. year. That's awesome. You know, which was great. You know, it was great. So, I mean, we're not talking about something I know zero about. I mean, I, I, this was kind of where my degree was and these types of things. And we had, uh, I took a lot of, uh, you know, wiring courses for wiring a home and things like that. And so one of the craziest parts when 
you kind of get to the basis of all of this. Anybody can do anything, right? You know, I don't want to pay anybody to do this, you know, to, to fix the pool pump. I can fix it. That doesn't mean it's going to look as good as the professional that comes out there and cleans up his work area. And now I'm looking at my backyard. I'm like, wow, that pool pump looks ridiculous. And I got to call somebody, right? Like that's what normally happens with DIY projects. So you're exactly right. I can always go learn something. And the greatest thing for detailing has been YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, doesn't matter. I mean, detailing only exploded because there was millions of views online on some type of detailing content. You and I were around when nobody knew what detailing was. Yeah. You had to explain it every time. At least there's a general awareness. This industry didn't make that happen. The guys and gals who loved cleaning their cars on YouTube or maybe were already pursuing a professional career in detailing, they're the ones that made everybody aware. There was no industry that made people aware. It was those individuals. Well, that is interesting. That's a great perspective because, yeah, we kind of think of it as the opposite, but you're right. We, we owe a lot of the elevation of the industry and awareness of the industry to individuals who put in their time doing content, explaining how the process of cleaning your car, protecting your car and maintaining your car is done. Yeah. We yeah. owe a lot to, to people that put out content. Like we love I, people I, that put out content. Yeah. And, and let's look at it this way. There's a lot of negatives that come from that content, but it pales in comparison to the fact that most people know what detailing is at a car show now that wouldn't have known 15 years ago. Talk to a 60-year-old car guy. They know nothing about detailing, 90% of them. You want to know why? Because when they grew up as a car guy, nobody knew about detailing. Talk to a 25-year-old kid at a car show. He knows brands. He knows somebody's YouTube page. He knows, some, he knows a couple people's Instagram. So, Again, we kind of get into these points where everybody loves to tell me or tell you what we know or don't know. I was there. It's like when people try to tell me about ceramic coating. It's like, my man, I was there with the first bottles brought into the country. You did, you've been doing it for three minutes and charging people $2,500. We aren't the same. This isn't the same level. I know how few people knew what detailing was. You did too. So there's a lot of bad about the internet detailing culture, but we aren't here having a podcast and a large number of people knowing what detailing is. If it weren't for these guys, it had nobody in our industry, no industry forces made detailing more reputable. It was the people on the internet. That's who made it more reputable. And so if you want to get out of that and say, okay, now we need to bring in the big dogs and everybody needs to put their head together and legitimize our industry. That's a pretty big jump because you weren't the ones that got the word out. Yeah. So how's that going to happen? And I'm not saying it should happen. We're having this from a lens of let's just be honest here. Let's just get it all on the table and say, let's stop saying things that we're not going to put the work in to do because to build a welding school didn't happen overnight to legitimize welding didn't happen in one day, but what they didn't do <laughs> is have a bunch of trainings on how to weld and then have to ask those people to put their money aside 
when maybe they're influential, they're not going to put their money aside. This training thing is not going anywhere, dude. So how are you going to fix it? Because now you got to fix it through all these different avenues. I don't think that's going to happen. I, I wish it would. That'd be pretty cool to see it as a trade. And I'd, I'd see guys have careers doing this. But if you're pushing people to get into the trade of detailing, and on the other end, you're doing an interview saying, this is how I got out of detailing. Are you really an advocate for detailing? Well, that's a good one to end on because... <laughs> I think people are going to have to think about that for a little bit. <laughs> I mean, uh, if you need to rewind that 15, 20 seconds and play it again, I, I know there's times I do that. So I, I make sure I understand what you said, but that's true. I mean, if people are advocating how you can get out of it, but yet then they're also saying you should get these trainings, it is kind of odd. And, yeah. And, and again, that's not a trade. Yeah. Guys weld their entire career. Not all of them. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying they're not being told to go do something else. They're being like, hey, man, learn to weld. It's a great skill. You can carry it for your life. Did we talk about detailing that way? I don't know. I, I don't see that. We, we see a lot of advocation of how to find your way out. I haven't found my way out. I'm glad to be a part of all this. I hope that people take detailing seriously long term. But I know the realism of all this is that, you know, we're not there. And we're not willing to have these types of conversations. One, one podcast is willing to do this. <laughs> well, sunshine's calling my name and I got red, cold, red snaps, red, cold, red, cold, ice, red cold, stripe. ice, cold, red stripes. Yeah. Yeah. I did, think did that you? hat's, I think that hat's cutting off did circulation to your brain. It's the sun. It's the, the waves, <laughs> the jellyfish. It's, it's the mm. whole life here. Uh, did you, I forgot to ask I mean, Red Stripe is an old school beer. Was that ever oh, a thing yeah. for you? Um, I've had it on, uh, you know, different occasions. Uh, it's okay. It's not my favorite beer. Yeah, no, me neither. But there's something it's about got a it. a unique know. taste. Yeah, it's so unique. I think when yeah. we saw it, we were like, you know, got to do it. You Jamaica. Know, just, That's the first yeah. thing you thought of. Exactly. Yeah. I was like, islands. We got <laughs> yeah. sun and we got yeah. sand. We got to do it. So. I'm in. All right, man. Have a great All week, right, brother. brother. Talk to you. See ya. Hey, this is Marshall. <laughs> um, I got some sun to get back out to. This pasty white body's got to go get burnt. Make sure you go over to the HyperClean Specialist Group on Facebook, man. We really love to see you there. A lot of fun things doing and happening there. So I will see you at the HyperClean Specialist Facebook group. Make it a great day.